If you have your Bible this morning, I would invite you. And this isn't my lesson. <clears throat> I was driving up this morning listening to the radio and I heard a really good Bible lesson and then I heard one that come on after it. And I thought, I just have to teach on this. I got so aggravated. <laughs> so we're going to look at two verses. I'm going to ask for your opinion. I'm going to, we're, going to, we're going to read it together. And uh, tell me what it says to you. Please. As I listen to a person go to great, great, great lengths, it's almost embarrassing. Go to great lengths to say that this is not what this says. Go to 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, please. And we're just going to look at the first two verses. And then we'll turn to what I plan to study with you, prepared for. John 15, 1 and 2, please. And if someone would, anyone who's willing, would you please read aloud in our hearing John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And then when you, I'm going to give you a further assignment. When you get done reading, tell me what it means, please. Anyone who is willing to take on that charge. Thank you, Ellen. Now what does that say to what does that say to you all? As Christians, Christ's followers, we should be imitating Christ and should be producing fruits of the Spirit and producing other Christians. And if we decide to hide our talents like the one man did, then that talent will be taken away. But if we're productive and try and produce fruit, then the Lord will help us to prune the bad branches out of our lives so it would produce more and more and more. Sure. Anyone else, what do those two verses say to you? Well, to me it says too that we are connected to Christ. He is the true vine and we are the branches. Uh, you take a branch and you cut that branch off and you disconnect it from the main branch. It dies. It has no hope of ever producing anything. But we are connected to Christ. And we're, we come in contact with Christ and we're buried with Christ in baptism and He. And that's how we get, that's how we make that connection. And we put on Christ, the Bible tells us. Uh, so uh, there are some people that want Christ, but they don't want the church. You know, and you can't have Christ without the church. And uh, there's some people that want Christ kind of just, He's over there, He's kind of sitting on the shelf. and He's there if I need him. Troubles come, I'll call him, but I don't need him most of the time. Yeah. I, this guy had these apple trees once, and he wanted me and my I've said this before. 
before. Thank you. But the old Stark Brothers Nursery, which is still around, big, huge business, they said the best time to prune the tree is when the knife is sharp. You know, and, and what that meant is it, it, it never hurts the tree to prune it, okay? You know, you got extra branches, you got extra apples and stuff that's going to be, everybody's going to be this big, or you want apples that's this big, that's delicious. Prune it, okay? And that's what, that's what this verse says, too, that we are to be pruned. We are to be in subjection to Christ. Uh, and that's, we, uh, we, we get, we get uh, chastened by God, you know, and we uh, have adversary come to us. And that's the pruning that we get. And what does that do to the good Christian? It makes them stronger. It does not make them weaker. It makes them stronger. It also says, Brett, that every branch must bear fruit. Mm -hmm. And when we're baptized, we don't just sit down and wait till the Lord comes back to their stage for us to do. Even Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business. Amen. Thank you. Thank you to all. All those answers are right on the money. Every one of them. What happens if we don't bear fruit according to verse 2? Read the first part of verse 2 to yourself, please. What happens if I choose not to bear fruit? We wither away. And the Greek... In the original language, taken away means to uproot. It literally means to pull up. That's what that means. I listened to a man this morning say that's not possible. He spent the whole Bible study saying that that is not what that says. Because once you're in Christ, you could never not be. But what does the verse say? Takes it away. Okay. My brother used to say this. My brother used to say some things are so simple you have to have professional help to mess it up. We had a man this morning trying to provide some professional help. Let's go down, please. But then that's when I come back with my saying. Uh, are we going to listen to that man or are we going to listen to Jesus? We're going to be judged by the words Jesus has spoken. So I think we better listen to the man rather than the preacher. Yes, listen to the word. Absolutely. Let's read verses 5 and 6. Let's see if it can become more clear. John 15, 5 and 6. Now, in verse 4, Jesus plainly said that without me, you can't do anything. That you're dependent on me. And that I respect the Father. That's the pecking order. God, Christ, us. In verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Notice verse 6. If a man does not abide in me, what happens? He is cast forth 
as a branch and is withered. What's it mean for something to be withered? We think about a hand, right? We've heard the expression, a withered hand. Are you familiar with that? Can I use my hand if it's withered? If my hand is drawn up and withered, sometimes as the seasons change and the cold kicks in, and that first frost kicks in, I live on 89 Briar Road. Now they misspell Briar. There's two of them in London. You know? Because we try to go to 89 Briar Road all the time. It says other side of town. Did you know that? I did not. There's two 89. How can there be two 89 Briar Roads? <laughs> <laughs> one spelled Mountain Folk and one spelled City Folk. <laughs> <laughs> I live on B R Y E R, and there's no ice cream factory down there. I've heard of Briar Ice Cream. But I think it has an E in it, perhaps. But they misspelled it. They need the I-A-R, like a briar jumper in Somerset, the rabbit. But it is appropriate. There's all kinds of briars where I live. Nothing else will grow at all where I live besides briars. And you know that. You know when the soil is terrible, briars will grow and nothing else will. I plant things all the time and they wither. That's what happens. I come out in about two days and it's black. I say, well, i got to dig that one up. It's dead. Now we have these uh, blackberry briars that grow and they're about six foot tall. And they're impressive. I spray them every year with poison. But if you don't spray them, they're monsters and they will take over. they got little berries on them and they'll poke you. But when the frost sets in, you can watch them. They'll bend right down. And when I hit them with that poison in about a week, as it gets warmer, spray it in the spring. As it gets more warm, you can watch them. They're withering. The, the beauty, I mean, it's hard to say that they're beautiful, but the life of them, you watch it go. That's what it means to be withered. Okay? We got the example when Jesus come to the fig tree expecting some figs. And what man is so Jesus cursed the tree that withered and never produced fruit ever. That's right. It's not a pretty picture as we would say. It's not something that you want said about you. But the Bible's even more clear, so let's read the rest of the verse. <coughs> and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I, I don't see how it could not be more clear. If we choose to be unfaithful, if you know better, and you say that doesn't concern me, I'm going to go on doing things my way instead of God's way. 
we choose not to abide in Christ and to allow Him to abide in us, means to stay, to abide. This is what will happen. And this is obviously written to people who have heard the Word. Because the verse that we skipped over says that. The Word has to abide in you. So I got aggravated this morning and I was driving up listening to that program. Because I know there had to be a hundred folks in attendance to have confidence in what that man was teaching. And walked out of that assembly believing something different than what the Bible plainly says. And here's what I hope. Those individuals went home and read John chapter 15 for themselves and said to themselves, this isn't right. And I hope that you always do the same. Just because I say it does not make it right at all. Sad thing is, I about guarantee they won't. Because if they've been doing that in the first place, they've never been in the pulpit. That's a good point, Ben. It's an excellent point. So Galatians 5 4 tells us that the people that were trying to be justified by the law said, if you try following to be that, from you're following from grace. So clearly, Paul is right. And that's right to the church of Galatia. You're not right to the Jews in Galatia. He's right to the church of Galatia. Those people have been Jews, they've come out of Judaism. And uh, you, you can absolutely fall from grace. Simon Sorcerer absolutely fell from grace. His heart was not right. Brent, I'm going to go on the limb and say it because I've studied some people. Uh, when you take the verse that says, no man can pluck me from my Father's hand, they interpret that as you, once you're in Christ, you can never leave it because no man can pluck you from your Father's hand. When you believe that, then any verse such as these that teach you will fall from grace, they have to readjust it to make it harmonize with that verse over there because they... And they're exactly right in the sense no man can. I can't take your salvation away. You can't take mine. They don't see it as you can take your own. And so since they believe that way, they have to rearrange the whole Bible to match that verse. But the Bible gives us two examples. Because the argument you usually hear is, well, those people were never worth saved to begin with. Yeah, I've heard that too. But the Bible gives us two examples. One Even two, though we told them they were. Yeah. Gives us uh, the, the Judas... It was full of the Holy Spirit, went out, cast out demons, did all these works, so no doubt he had the Holy Spirit in it. And then we have the uh, Nicholas, which was in Acts, one of the disciples, the or the deacons that they pointed over the tables and stuff. And the Bible says he was full of the Spirit. And then later on, we see him fall away and start this Nicolaitans church that God said he hates. So, right there is two examples that the Bible said these people were 100% safe. They were 100% full of the Holy Spirit, but yet we see them fall away. Demas, Demas has forsaken me, loving this present world. Where was Demas present or previously? You can't forsake something you were not once in line with. So with Ben, there's two. We've got one, there's three. We've got Hebrews 10, Hebrews 6, John 15. We've got the words of Jesus 
In Matthew 24, 13, the one who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. What if I don't endure to the end? Well, then the opposite of that statement would be for you. <clears throat> Continue faithful unto death and then receive a crown of life. But Josh explained it so well. I believe 100%, maybe, a, maybe more than that, and you do as well, that no person can worship for you, that no person can obey the Gospel for you but you. And that once you're in Christ, no one can take that from you. What if I make the decision to remove myself? Because prior to that verse that Josh shared with us, it gives a laundry list of who can't remove you and you're not on there. No one else can. So things we have to think about. It would make no sense for Jesus to say that we must endure if we don't have to endure. Brent, it's so important to, to read and study and stay in God's Word and, not, and no offense to you or any preacher, but not to, listen, not to ever open our Bible. That is no offense. Because then we dry up and wither away because we're not in the Word. That's right. I used to have a woman at church come to me every Sunday. Where does the Bible say this? At? Where does the Bible say that? At? Where does the Bible say this? At? Now I indulged her at first, but then I got to notice that she asked me the same thing two or three times. Now, if I understand, said, no, you must look it up for yourself. Because if you look it up for yourself, you'll know where it's at, you'll remember it, and plus you know it's not Ben Christ saying this, it's the Bible saying this. So I quit telling her where it was and told her to look it up for herself, and that, that helped her grow a little bit. Very good. Brent, don't you liken it somewhat to marriage? I've seen people who've been married 40 years and have a wonderful wife. I mean, just a perfect marriage. But the right temptation comes along and they will leave that marriage, okay? And they will throw all that into the fire. <coughs> I mean, you know, just throw away everything. Maybe their children, maybe, you know, everything. They throw it away because they want this pretty girl over here or this handsome man. And uh, nobody could make them leave, but they can choose to leave. That, that's exactly what... Uh, God, God says you cannot pull a Christian out of Jesus' hand. He cannot. It don't matter. You can throw cancer at them. You can throw any kind of disease you want. And when they die, if they were in the Lord, they're going to die in the Lord. And so they'll always be in the Lord. As Leland says, be faithful unto them. They will always, if, if time stands a million years, they will still be in Christ. Okay? And they will still have heaven. But they can choose to live. And God will let. God will not. Can you imagine staying with somebody and the only reason that your wife stays with you is because she has to, because of money or because of <laughs> something like that? Wouldn't that be awful? I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be awful, though, seriously, to think that, that the only reason she's here is because that, you know, I'm, I've got some money or something. That would just Or it was arranged. Yeah. Sure. Well, that, that's it. Need the money. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think it's one, one scripture here, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Yes. Take care of brethren. He's talking to brethren. That there be not in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Yeah. So there's all kinds of warnings in the scriptures about falling away. Amen. And why are they there, Lee? Because
about apostate that's coming to stuff. Sure. They're there for a reason. The flip side of the coin is true though. When you're faithful and you read those warnings, it lets you better appreciate what you have. That I'm staying away. The Bible says to abhor the very appearance of what is evil. It even appears to be evil. It would be best not to get near it. So I've always described it as, you know, skating near the edge of the cliff. It would be best not to skate near the edge because you may fall, and if you did, you're gone. If you're over here and you make a mistake, you'll fall on it. It might hurt, but you can get back up. So we abhor the very appearance of what is evil. And abhor is a strong word. That's one of those Sunday words, and you'll hear that a lot. It's a good word. It's a good word. It means to detest something. Abhor. That's how I feel about Duke Blue Devil basketball. <laughs> abhor. Indiana. Anyway, that's a joke. Mom used to have us take the scraps out and throw them over the fence. I abhor that joke. <laughs> I can't stand the thoughts of seeing food like that mixed together. And I would turn my head and throw it and hope it all came out and never look at it. I abhor that. Joke. And I'm still that way. I'm 63. I can't stand the thoughts of that. You use a divided plate even with the food you eat, don't you? <laughs> I, I, could never, I could never bust tables if they said, here's $500 an hour. I cannot do it. I, I wait on the tables, maybe cook or whatever. I can't cook. No, I can't cook it. But I'll, that is one job that would be the last job. I'd rather clean out the toilets just to do that. I just... Process. Well, we've been lighthearted and... Uh, I just wanted to share that with you. I didn't intend on teaching that, but I was listening to Brother Brown this morning as I left London, and the next program come on, and I'm not naming any names to be respectful, and I listened to that. It was actually a guest speaker. It wasn't the fella that teaches normally, and normally I can't always agree with him, but this fella spent 20 minutes trying to explain that verse 2 doesn't mean what it says, but he never got to 5 and 6. And I thought, buddy, when you get to 5 and 6, you're really going to have trouble because it gets even more clear. But if we bring a preconceived notion with us when we read our Bibles, just as Josh said, we find ourselves saying, well, that's real clear, but it can't be right because that's not what I believe. So I need to change that very quickly. No, you want to let the message of God's Word change you. God's Word doesn't change for us. It's the other way around. You see, He's the Master and we're the servant. And if there's any changing or altering taking place, it has to be our thought processes have to change to please what the Bible says. Now, the book of Romans, please, chapter 1, is what I would like to study with you. And there's a reason that I chose this. In our previous study for the past month or so, we talked about miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, namely speaking with tongues. We alluded 
to a statement from Romans chapter 1 quite a bit. So I thought it would be beneficiary to us to just study this chapter from verse 1 to the end. And then once we conclude this chapter, I believe I'd like to start a study in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. And we'll just go chapter by chapter, Lord's will, through those two writings. But here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, please, I'd like to study this chapter with you. And we'll do a short introduction. We're running low on time this morning. But as always, this is your Bible study. I haven't said that in a while. I try to say it often. This is your Bible study. I have the privilege to stand before you, but this is our Bible study together. So if you have a question or a comment or a remark, please do not hesitate to let that be known. Please. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. First thing I want to share with you, the words to be should be italicized in your Bible because they're not in the original writing. It's just like the word unknown in 1 Corinthians 14 does not appear in the earliest transcripts. It just says tongues. It does not say unknown tongue. Same thing here. The translators of the King James added these two words in. doesn't change anything to make it easier to read. So let's read. Paul, now when we write a letter, we normally sign our name at the end, don't we? We start with dear so-and-so, and at the end, we would sign sincerely, respectfully, <coughs> then our name. Well, as you know, it's a little bit different. In the epistles, Paul starts with identifying himself as the Holy Spirit-inspired writer. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Nothing finer could be said about an individual. I'm a servant of Jesus. <clears throat> well, that's the finest introduction that could be given. Called an apostle is what it actually says in the earliest manuscript. Called to be an apostle and separated, set apart, unto the gospel of God. Now we're going to look at some scriptures together. <coughs> that talk about this separation, this call, His ministry. But the first point that I want to make is that Paul was an apostle and he was qualified to be one by God. He didn't decide one day that he'd be an apostle without meeting the qualifications. And there were Judaizing teachers, and we see this especially in 2 Corinthians, that challenged his apostleship. And he defends himself as an apostle often. This is another defense right here. He reminds, I'm a servant. I was called an apostle by Jesus Himself, and I was separated unto the gospel of God. That was his purpose. Everything that he did was to bring honor to the divine glory of Christ and the gospel message. Verse 2. Verse 2 says this. 
I had a teacher back in high school that would say, you know, we were from Laurel County. And as Ben said, mountain folk versus city folk. He would always say, let me southeastern Kentucky this for you. <laughs> or he would say, let me redneck this for you. Well, some people got offended. I thought that was great because A, I'm a southeastern Kentuckian and B, I'm a redneck. Okay, So when he would read something to you that was worded really eloquently, he would say, let me redneck that for you, please. Well, here's the Southeastern Kentucky translation of verse 2. The gospel didn't just happen. God didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'll send a gospel today. It was foreordained before the foundation of the world. There's the redneck for you. Okay. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't that God didn't expect us to have problems. There's folks that teach that. There's folks that teach that God did not see the sinfulness of man coming. And it just blew His mind that His creation was this sinful. And so He thought, well, I better put something in order. I better help Him. No. Before we were ever created, God knew exactly what was going to happen. Why? Because He is God. He's all-powerful, He's ever-present, and He knows everything. Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. Okay? That's what verse 2 says. Paul says, "...by the Spirit which He had promised afore by His prophets in the Holy Scripture." Paul says this is nothing new. Read your Old Testament. It talks about Jesus. Paul was of the nationality of Jew, a member of the Sanhedrin Council as Saul. He was well versed in the law. And now he realizes that, oh, this deliverer, this Messiah, the law talks about, that's Jesus. He's going to give His life to make this all possible. That's the Gospel. Isaiah 53, this lamb, spotless, silent before the shearer. This is Jesus. The Bible says it like this. Of Him have all the prophets borne witness. The of Him is Christ. Jesus said in Luke 24, I have come to fulfill everything written about me where? In the law and the prophets and the Psalms. That's Luke 24. Jesus said that about Himself. It's me the prophets are talking about, disciple. In the law and the prophets and even the Psalms. David... Mary is of the lineage of David. So when you hear Jesus referred to as the root of Jesse, that's David's dad. That's talking about his human form. But in just a few moments, we're going to read about the spirit of holiness, and that's his divine nature. Do you believe that Jesus was fully man and also fully holy at the same time? Because the Bible says he was. Some folks reject that too. 
Paul said he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. sin. Okay? See, he had to be just like you and me. <coughs> Bible couldn't say that about him. I've heard folks teach, not in the Lord's church, but I've heard folks teach on the radio and all the television. He didn't have to go through what you would. You're, you're a man. He's a little bit special. Well, they may mean well, but Jesus did. He was tempted in every way we're tempted. That's why He's our advocate. I failed. He didn't. Therefore, I need Him. So when I'm tempted to do some grievous sin, I'm tempted to step out of my marriage, I'm tempted to curse someone, I'm tempted in anger, I'm tempted with gambling, whatever it may be. Fame, money, prestige. Jesus has been there. He was faced with it, yet He didn't sin. He was able to rise above. No man could keep the law except one. We preached on that a few weeks ago. And therefore, there's only one lawgiver. And that's God through Christ. Okay. So we'll pause right there. We're out of time this morning. One thing before we get too far gone, though. In verse 1, Paul calls himself the slave of Jesus Christ. Yes. And a lot of us think, well, slave, you know, he's been there before. You know, it's an old term. But Julius Caesar was the most powerful man in Rome. One of the second most powerful old man in Rome was Julius the slave. If Caesar's slave come and said something, I don't care if you're the governor, the general, whatever, you jump said how high. And Paul would need to keep that in mind too. Paul, what he's saying, and he's reminding people that too because they knew this full well. He says, I am the man's slave. The man. There ain't nobody greater than Jesus. So when I say something, I've got authority for what I'm saying. You need to He's an ambassador of Christ. Yes. Thank you, Ben. That's an excellent, excellent point. Anything before we, uh, any comment or question before we conclude this morning our Bible study? With nothing further, thank you for your attendance. Thank you for your attention, your good participation. All the good comments and look forward to being with you in the worship service. All things are ready.